All right. Flush the bombers, get the subs in launch mode. We are at DEFCON 1. DEFCON 1. Cincinnati, Ohio. One more hour and I'll be home. Close my eyes and rest my bones. Can't be more than a mile or so from Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome to the Hunt for Reds October podcast. I'm your host, Coop, uh, episode 28. Uh, today, we got a special guest for the first time. Uh, and depending on how it goes, <laughs> maybe the last one. Uh, <laughs> we've got Keith Law from ESPN. Keith, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We are doing uh, pretty good. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, this may not be the most professional podcast you'll ever be on, but uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll have some fun. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. So joining uh, Keith... We also have <laughs> Phil. Phil is joining us. Phil, how are you doing? Hey, guys. Sorry I missed the last couple weeks, but I had better things to do. All right. Thank you. Somebody's wrestling around. Stop. Yep. Right. There's a squirrel on the podcast. <laughs> we uh, we also have Burmy. Burmy, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I want to give a shout-out to Ram at Unc Ram. Yes, thank you. Uh, and here's the thing. Polly, how are you? Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Coop. We all know what's up. I'm living a dream over here, and I hope you all are too. Keith, that's an inside joke between uh, Polly and us. That here's the thing. That's a long story. Uh, okay. <laughs> Ryan. All right. I'm nodding and laughing. Yes, thank you. Ryan, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm hoping everyone's feeling as shifty as Jesse Winker is on the third. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wheels. Wheels, Jesse Winker. <laughs> right? I'm dabbing right now. Dabbing. Dab, dab, dab. <laughs> <laughs> and uh also joining us is kev kev how's the thing down there in texas it's uh hotter than the surface of the sun right now i think it got up to 101 today so i'm uh stewing in the, the garage right now well that sucks <laughs> <laughs> i'm not i'm good <laughs> okay well uh if if this is the first time you've listened to this uh First of all, shame on you. Second, uh, this is a Cincinnati Reds podcast. So why don't we talk some Reds baseball? Keith, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the Reds' recent draft. Nick Lodolo, of course, was the first-round pick, uh, the left-handed pitcher out of TCU. Uh, also took Nick Hines, uh, high school powerhouse, and in the second round, and uh, Tyler Callahan in the third. Uh, just give us your uh, your overall impression of the Reds draft this year and uh, how how you see them developing moving forward. I thought they crushed the draft. Um, I really liked the overall strategy. Uh, I thought I was actually not the biggest Nick Lodolo fan. He was fine at pick seven. I just thought there were some better candidates on the board. But the thing he really brought them is that he's almost certainly a big leaguer. Like yeah, I mean, he's a pitcher. He could get hurt. Obviously, stuff can happen. But this guy is in some fashion, some role, somewhere, he's going to provide big league value and probably pitch for a while. So it seemed as if, and I kind of talked to some Reds people afterwards, I think this was their idea. You know, we got one really safe bet in our pockets now. Let's roll the dice on a bunch of guys who are riskier, but if we hit on any of them, we've got a chance for a star. And you mentioned 
Hines, first name actually Reese. I thought you were going to do oh, a thing sorry. where you're just going to. I thought you were just going to say everybody's first name was Nick, um, and that's fine too. <laughs> no, well, Keith, Keith, facts are optional on this podcast. Oh yes, that's right. Well, yes, my feelings don't care about your facts. I think that's how it works. Yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> Hines is. I mean, you probably talked to you probably seen video, but it's crazy power. It might have been the best raw power in the draft. I think certainly the best raw power in the high school class in the draft, which comes with a lot of swing and miss and a question about what position he's ultimately going to play. I think this the latter part, the position thing, if he gets to his power, no one's going to care what his position is, right? He's not a Z, It's not like he's Dan Volobach and he can't play anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's you'll find a spot for him if he hits enough. And if he never hits enough to get for the power, you don't have to worry about his position at all because he's not a prospect at that point. But, I mean, if for them to get him where they got him in the draft, if he were a higher probability guy, he doesn't even get to that pick at all. And I think a lot of teams just said, he swings and misses too much for a high school guy. We're just not doing it. And the Reds, their whole draft after that first pick was, this guy probably wouldn't be here. He's got some particular flaw. We'll take a chance on that. Tyler Callahan, he's the opposite of Hines. He can really hit. His biggest question is he really doesn't have a position. He tried to play shortstop in high school. He tried to catch in high school. He may just end up at first base, but he can really hit. And so... You know what? You get him into the system, you let him hit, and you try every position you possibly can and hope you figure something out. And it just, obviously, as we get further down the draft, the picks get a little riskier and riskier. But it just seemed like they had that. We got one really likely big leaguer here. Now let's start going for ceiling through the rest of the draft. And I I just love that approach. I'm a little bit of a ceiling whore myself. (laughs) If you can keep rolling the dice on guys like that, do it. Absolutely. Because if you get one star out of six or seven of these guys that you draft then it makes the entire class for you. And then on top of that, to know you have Nick Lodolo. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe is a number two starter. But not, whatever he is, I think he's very, very definitely a big leaguer. Well, and uh, the Reds don't have the uh, the best uh, track record of drafting pitchers in the first round. So if he's a big leaguer, he's already no. at the top of <laughs> the list of <laughs> right. Reds draft picks. Do you think it's fair to uh, k- the – Joey Gallo comparisons to Hines. I've seen that at a few places. Yeah, because the problem with Hines is that, and the problem with Gallo is that there just aren't a lot of guys like them. I saw Gallo in high school, probably a little more than I saw Hines in high school. I think Gallo had a better idea of the strike zone, but his swing was just so long because he is long. Like his arms are so long. So it was kind of a natural it was a physical thing or a mechanical thing, but his eye was there. I don't think Heinz is as selective. I don't think he recognizes pitches as well. But if you look at the stat sheet, they're going to be similar. There's going to be a lot of swing and miss, and there's crazy power. So, you know, he might, Heinz might be more like Suli Matias, who's a prospect in the Royal System, who's, I don't mean to scare anyone because he's having a terrible year, but he is a prospect. It's insane power, and right now he just swings at too many pitches. He's just not being selective enough. You know, that's the kind of guy, look, everyone would like a Suli Matias in their system. You'd like to work with a guy like that because you can't teach the power, but you might be able to teach him to make better decisions at the plate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil. So it's kind of similar to Jabari, Jabari Blash that used to be in the Padres system. Yes, yeah, he's been in like six systems by now, right? Yeah, but it's yeah. crazy I just power. remember as a Padre. Yeah, and pretty, Blash is a pretty good athlete too, and he just never quite turned that corner in terms of his approach. And he, I mean... 
you never know with it. I think some of it comes down to the individual player and what system they're in, too. Like the Royals, I see this Royals high A club a lot. They don't really teach plate discipline. They don't really teach pitch recognition as much as other systems do. Maybe if Sully Matias is in someone else's farm system, he's having a different year because they've taught him differently. Phil, you got a question about the draft? I, I agree with Keith. All right, thank you. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Well said. <laughs> Excellent. Kev. It's already my favorite podcast. <laughs> yes, exactly. Kev, you got any questions? Uh, no, I didn't come any prepared with any questions. I know. I only, I know sent, we you, all I only sent you the topics like six hours. The draft. <laughs> I know, but you know. I, I think they melted out of my hand. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I was. I, the part I agreed with with uh, with Keith was, it seems to me like the last few years the Reds have gone more conservative with their draft picks after the first one, and it felt like this one, both literally and figuratively, figuratively they went for the home run, hoping that, like you said, if they hit on one out of five or six, then then it's it's a win. So it was fun to see them to get young talent in for the first time in a while. And the Reds obviously knew that they were going to have to go over slot to sign their second and third picks. Uh, they did the run on college seniors there uh, mm-hmm. after those picks, which is smart. It's a good strategy to try to get those guys to not uh, sign with college, especially, I mean, Hines was committed to LSU, and that's a powerhouse program, SEC. I just thought it was a it was a smart move to have that run on the college singers, just just so they could have at least a chance to sign those guys. Yeah, I agree. Well, I and I'll say with Callahan was of all their other picks, he was the guy I ranked the highest. And there were people I know who thought Callahan was a back of the first round talent because you just don't see guys who can hit like he can hit very often. If I told you guys before that if we did this podcast three days before the draft, I said the Reds are going to walk out of this with two first round talent. But maybe, you know, put their sixth or tenth round picks or, or the equivalent. I'm guessing you probably would have been pretty good with that. Absolutely. And I, I think that's what they did. I feel like it's fair to characterize their draft like that. And by the way, they also got they also got Hines and Ivan Johnson's a prospect and Yang, the catcher they took in the seventh round, is actually a decent prospect. Mm-hmm. They did okay beyond just those couple of first couple of picks. They continued to draft guys with some kind of big league upside. Polly. Keith, would you say, since the Reds showed this conservative draft style, mm-hmm. would you say most baseball teams are like this, where they hope for at least one major leader out of every draft every year? Or is it different for every team, would you say? I think, I mean, a little bit depends on where you draft. Right? If you draft top 10 versus you draft 30th, it's, your expectations are different. But your general point, like most teams would say, if we get one big league regular, one mid-rotation starter out of a draft, and then you know two to four other guys who get to the big leagues and do something, that's probably a decent draft class. If you get two regulars out of a draft class, you did really well. There was one year where I think the Giants drafted both Posey and Brandon Crawford in the same year. That's an epic draft if you get nothing else. So, you know, it's, I mean, we're, I know, like, the day you draft these guys, I mean, I've been in draft rooms, right? You walk out and you think, hey, we just drafted 15 big leaguers. No, you didn't. It's nice to feel that way. <laughs> You're all high on insufficient sleep and draft room food and and other things, you know, and other things. <laughs> In reality, if you got, I did a study back. I should probably update it. But I did a thing when I was with the Blue Jays. Like, what should we expect out of the draft? If we got five guys who got to the big leagues and two turned out to be some kind of regular, we did well. That was our thing. That's really what we want to walk out of the draft with. And I feel like the Reds this year in particular, 
they may not get that five guys who do something in the big leagues, but they got a pretty good chance to get two guys who are regulars or better. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the red situation where you're not going to sign a lot of these, you're not signing stars in free agency, not on their payroll level. You got to draft those guys. So I'd rather see them swing the fence, swing for the fences more. Uh, Burmy, you got a question about the draft? Well, first of all, I just want to say, Keith, I'm glad you're a ceiling whore, not a gutter whore. Yes. So that, that, is, that is very reassuring. <laughs> but, I, you know, we've had some comparisons uh, for Heinz tonight, and as Reds fans, do you compare him to, like, an Adam Dunn? Do you think that's a fair comparison? I don't. because No, no Dunn was always more patient. I don't think Heinz is okay. like that. Now, we'll okay. see if Heinz, you know, if Heinz comes out next year and draws 70 walks, then sure. I'm wrong. Then he's a more disciplined player than I realized he was. But I also think, you know, Dunn was never much of a defender. People will debate whether that was lack of ability or lack of interest. Uh, But whatever, (laughs) in the end, he was a really bad defender. Hines Hines can play somewhere. He was a terrible high school shortstop, um, Mm -hmm. which a lot of them are. They'll start moving him around the diamond, and eventually they'll find a position that works for him. He'll He'll end up somewhere where he's probably adding value on defense or not hurting them. Uh, okay. So I have a little more hope for him because you'd rather have the guy with versatility. Adam Dunn was very was valuable, but it always okay. hurt that you had the guy where it's like we're trying to hide him somewhere on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Heinz shouldn't. Heinz won't be that. Okay. I, I guess you know. Forgive my ignorance. I was unaware of his you know on base percentage you know coming out. That's so okay. Oh yeah. I was not. You That's know, here. That, I just wanted to try to do a you know a comp that was as <laughs> you know recognizable to Reds fans as uh, as possible. Sure. I appreciate it. Maybe more William Opeña. Oh God, I didn't want to scare anybody. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, what about one five hundred foot home run? Yeah, right. He'll hit oh, one. Right, exactly. And then Jim Bowden okay. will trade for him. And then he'll go uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> leather, leather, leather pants is is persona non grata around here. <laughs> yeah. I think I just saw him go by my house on a Segway. Oh God! That sounds oh, about that. <laughs> There That's was going to be the opening, I think. Yeah, there was another uh, another. <laughs> if you ever need security, I'll help you out. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. uh, there's another draft pick I wanted to ask about, just because he was my favorite pick, Cameron Warden Warren out of Texas Tech. He was the 22nd round pick. I know that uh, it's a long shot that he's going to reach the majors, uh, but he did show some power uh, at Texas Tech, and he is uh, currently in the uh, College World Series. Are they in an elimination game? I'm not sure, but uh, I in the semifinals. To... Okay. They beat Florida State last night. Okay, okay. So I just yeah. wanted to get end you... of story. Let's drop it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a Florida State fan, but uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, does he have any chance of maybe uh, breaking a roster at some point? I mean, I think I, I, I hate to say no chance, especially for a guy who did perform some in a really good conference. Um, it's a long shot, you know, just because he's a senior sign in the what twenty? What did you say? Twenty second round. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I did see him. He's he's not a zero. He's not a you know. He may sign for a thousand dollars because in the twenty second round, that's kind of all you get. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up getting there just on the strength of the offensive performance. The one thing, and this is not really specific to him, but any of those college seniors, right? They got the, They kind of have to go out and mash at high A right away. Hopefully, they they challenge. They're willing to challenge him. They don't bury him in Dayton next year. Right. Send him to high A, and then let him let him face sort of age appropriate competition. And that, I mean, just a lot of clubs do this. They take a guy like that who performed, uh, 
who performed well at a uh, at a decent college, and he, str- he did he walked more than he struck out. I don't want to over scout the stat line here, but maybe you got something here. Send that guy to the Florida State League and see what he does. He if he continues to make contact at a high rate, and if he does, then there's a chance he got something. And if he doesn't, well, twenty second twenty second round pick. Yeah. You've lost absolutely right. Lost Is time. nobody gonna make a throws age appropriate joke? Okay. No. No. We want no. Keith. No. <laughs> we want Keith We're mature. We are mature here. We can, we, can, Come on. we can cut that out, but it wouldn't be true to the pod. That's true. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Probably more declared for the Senate again today, so I think age appropriate jokes are kind of covered. So, wait, I do have a. Wait, yeah, go ahead. Can I ask a question real quick? It just came to me. So. You know, Keith, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Reds really don't like to... That's very facetious. The Reds don't like to move guys along. So I was just curious. Do you think that the Reds, for whatever reason as an organization, move guys along at a much slower rate than everybody else? Slightly slower or on par? I would probably have said slightly slower. But to be honest, like... You know, I'm not sure... Like, I've never sat down and really studied that for a lot of clubs. Um... I do feel like they leave, you know, they, they often start guys a little lower than they should have been. But then, but Frank, as I say that, like Senzel, they were aggressive with from the start, weren't they? I mean, if he had been healthy, he would have been in the big leagues, probably would have been in the big leagues last year. They were talking about calling him up right at the time he suffered that last injury. So, you know, maybe yeah. they're, they might argue, and I've not, I've not asked them about this specifically, they might argue, hey, we're aggressive when it's warranted. We just feel like for some of these other guys, it makes more sense to, to leave them at a level for longer. Like Jose Siri, they, they remember they had that breakout year in low A, but he was older for the level. And they felt like if they moved him up, he may not have been ready to face better quality pitching. I'm not saying I agree or disagree, but I believe that's okay. what their thinking was. Okay. They just moved Siri back down to uh, double A today. Did they? Okay. Yeah. He is, he is, uh, confusing. Yeah. He's yeah. Cause you see, yeah. I mean, I, you see him and you're like, I like it. I like it. I like a lot of what I'm seeing, but you could also go see him punch out four times and decide to write him off completely. Right. Uh, yeah, he's an enigma for sure. I think yeah. this is a good transition into uh, the Reds' current system. Uh, obviously, the top prospect is Taylor Trammell. Uh, yep. And I know he's he's not really been knocking the knocking the socks off this year, uh, but I just wanted to get your take on that. how you see him. How do you see him developing, and when would a realistic ETA in Cincinnati be for him? Um, I'm fine with his development to date. I know he's been a little banged up this year too, right? I yeah. think he was yeah. – he is or was yeah. recently yeah, on the he's on the list. injury. Yeah. yeah. He is now currently, I believe. Like a hamstring, right? But he was supposed mm-hmm. to be back pretty soon. So um, I assume I talk out of turn not, not knowing exactly where he was today. But I'm fine with him. He's been young for everywhere he's played. He's got pretty advanced – he's got a really advanced approach at the plate. He's actually more athletic than I gave him credit for. It's funny. When, his, when he first reached full season ball, I talked to some pro scouts who really weren't excited about him. Um, we're kind of down on him and he was performing well. It's like, this was a two sport guy. We're supposed to like those guys when they perform, right? He's athletic and he's performing. Yeah. Um, the, it right. seems like the biggest criticism I've heard about him is his arm doesn't play, play for center, uh, that he would need to be a corner outfield. Yes, I agree with that. He's a left fielder. Okay. But I think he'll be really good there. Yeah. But like, I mean, he's he's probably athletic enough to be a quality center fielder if his arm were good enough. Mm-hmm. Now, 
he may guys like that often get bumped out of center field by the guy who might be a 70 defender there but that's fine so he'll go to he'll go to left field he's going to get on base at a high clip he's going to hit for some power i mean so i was to sort of fit just round off what i started saying you know, as Trevell kept performing uh scouts kind of came around i also i i saw him and i and said, wait, no, this guy's every bit as athletic he's supposed to be. And he's got bat speed and he's got a good eye. It's a little quiet. Like his, it's not flashy until he's running the bases and you realize, oh, he's also an exceptional base runner. And he's faster than you think he is. Maybe not be fast, as fast home to first, but underway, he's got plenty of speed. And just about everything is there for him to be at least an above average regular. I think he's going to be a star. And I think also just given everything I've heard about his makeup and his work ethic, he'll get more than the most out of his tools. Um, so it's everything but the, you know, every, every tool you could be looking for, plus plate discipline, he just doesn't have much of an arm. I'll take that guy nine, oh, eight, absolutely. nine days a week. Yep. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah. And I agree with you, by the way. He is their number. I'm going to update my prospects list in about three weeks. He's number one. Hunter Green is probably still number two because – you know, we're just waiting, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and I'm still very bullish on him, but we, you know, uh, Trammell is ready. And, so, oh, to answer your question, I think he could be up this year. They may decide they don't want to, they want to do the service time game, but there's no reason he couldn't make his debut in some role, even just to get a cup of coffee in August or September. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, uh, go oh, ahead. sorry, Coop. No, go ahead, Burmy. No, that actually leads to a question I've always had. I've never had a chance to ask anybody this. Mm-hmm. I I feel like, and this is just you know one baseball fan's opinion as Christian Yelich hits one in the stratosphere. Um, <laughs> um, no, I've always I've always I don't love to hear your opinion on this. I'm a fan of giving a guy a taste in September. Mm-hmm. That way, if he does make the opening day roster in April or March, now it's not the biggest of deals. It's like I've already been here and done it. So I don't know what you think about that, but I think that kind of affected Amir Garrett a couple years ago. Where, you know, mm-hmm. granted he was starting and not in the bullpen, but it doesn't right. look like, I mean, he came out and pitched very well. We all remember that night in St. Louis where he made his debut and we were all like, oh my God, you know, right. this kid's going to be a star. We just didn't realize he would be this good in the bullpen, I suppose, to starting. But would he have put less pressure on himself throughout the year if he had had the entire offseason to think, I'm already a big leaguer, how can I make myself better at this level? I am with you. Uh, okay. I think the industry is against us, but I yeah, think there's well. a huge benefit to giving a guy a cup of coffee, let him face a little major league pitching or face major league batters. Either way, mm-hmm. uh, also like let the major league coaching staff meet the guy, let the front office meet the guy. He meets the traveling secretary and the like. He just gets used to it because I mean it's it is like entering a new job for the first time. I mean, we've all been through that at some point, right? You, it's like going to college for the first time. Everything's different. In addition to like going to college, in addition to having to pick your classes and find your class on the first day, you also have to feed yourself and do laundry and all that other – Like that's – all of this is thrust on you at once. And I think for these kids, and they're often still kids, they get to the big leagues and they don't know – how things work, where am I supposed to be at what time and wait, who takes care of my bags and how much do I tip the clubby? If you get some of that stuff out of the way in September when kind of nobody's watching, it's so much easier than opening day the next year when everybody's watching and you're thrust into this environment when everybody's watching and almost everybody thinks they're contending. You could come up in September when the team's out of it and then the focus really is on, hey, we're going to bring up three of our top prospects in September. Let's make sure one of the focuses now is getting these guys acclimated to the big leagues so they're ready for us next year. Even if they're not going to start the next year in the big leagues. They come mm-hmm. up in June. 
They've already been up for a couple of weeks. They know how things work. I think it's a huge help, and I wish more. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I yeah, that's awesome. Uh, that's a great analogy. Get a cup of coffee. Let him have a cup of coffee. I mm-hmm. really like that. I wish I made that up, but I, it is to me. It is perfect. <laughs> You're really up long enough to get a cup of coffee. Well, I was going to ask. <laughs> Go ahead, Paul. I was going to ask permission to use it, but now I don't have to. <laughs> uh, I was I, I was going to ask about one more player, and I know there's a couple other players that some other people want to ask about. Uh, I wanted to ask mm-hmm. about a uh, an outsider's perspective on Tony Santion. Uh, mm. He's he's really. Internally, and when I say internally, I mean more like Reds fans. I, I don't work for the Reds, obviously. They would never mm-hmm. hire me. But uh, Give him a hat. From, from a Reds fan perspective, uh, he is seen outside of Hunter Green as the, uh, the next top prospect pitching-wise. I just wanted to get your opinion on him and uh, what, uh, what we could ex- realistically, realistically expect for him over the next couple of years. I think you got a wide range of outcomes on him. I mean, coming out of last year, I had people telling me he was number two starter. And, and I have no reason to dispute that. Mm-hmm. But the big thing that had changed for him last year was the strike throwing improved dramatically. When the Reds took him, I remember one of the Reds executives saying they, they'd seen him walk seven guys in an inning, but they were betting on arm strength and, and particularly on his athleticism. We can get this guy in work with the delivery, get him to repeat, help throw strikes. That was generally true. Like That all worked out pretty well for them in, I think, three years. It was impressive, actually. Now, so far this year, he's kind of gone backwards in that department, even though he didn't move up a lot. So I don't know if something's actually different or if we're talking about a two-month sample, well, maybe a little more than two months now, that there should be something to worry, be worried about. To me, if, if the strike throwing that we saw last year comes back, He's a number two, number three starter. If it turns out he's always going to be kind of erratic with his control, he's an easy bullpen guy because I think he'd be throwing upper 90s with two pretty good secondary pitches to be able to get him to get right-handers and left-handers out. So the outcomes, as long as he's healthy, the outcomes are pretty good. But that's a big Big difference, right, between maybe a number two starter and a setup man or a closer. Right. Yeah. Uh, Kev. Well, you know, it also seems like it seems like uh, the Reds in their drafts that they always tend to draft these guys that have that have one really good attribute to them, and then they work on that. Um, I think last year it was Lion Richardson, um, and they you know Tremel was his, you know his speed up, if I remember correctly. Um, so it, I, I don't know. He just seems to fit that. Like he's he's really athletic for a starter. So let's move on. You know, let's let's expound on that. So yeah. Yep. I think that's absolutely right. And I mean, they've always like I worked with Chris Buckley, who ran the draft for years mm-hmm. for Cincinnati. Now he's a VP. I worked with him in Toronto. Buck is a lot like. I mean, I learned a lot from Buck. I should say it this way: a lot of what I think about players comes from working with Buck. He loves athletes, and he always had good explanations for why why teams favored athletes in the draft, why coaches liked working with athletes, that you want to make adjustments, you want to make wholesale changes to swings or deliveries, work with the athletes. They have the better capacity to make those adjustments. And Buck has always, he loves the multi-sport guys. He loves the guys with, with that kind of quick twitch athleticism that the Trammells have, that the Lion Richardsons have, the Sentians have. It's not a coincidence that they kept going after these guys in the especially after the first round. All right, well, we're going to bet on some upside. Who are the best athletes still on the board? Who have some baseball skill? Kev, do you have a prospect you want to ask about? Uh, well, my favorite hasn't really done much in a while. It's uh, They took a, a, a former offensive lineman 
I think a few years ago. He's a he was a first baseman or a yeah first baseman in high school. And do you know his name? <laughs> yeah, I do. But <laughs> I'm trying to turn on the air conditioner. He has no name. Still waiting. No, on, I mean, still waiting on a name. Still waiting on the name. Come on. Is it Brian O'Grady? No, he's in Double A right now. Oh. Gavin Lavalley. Gavin Lavalley. That's it. Okay. Yeah, I thought he'd hit yeah. more. Yeah, I, 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 I know when when we drafted him, he literally had no position because nope. he was a football player that could hit, and he had a yeah. lot of bat speed. It seemed from what I had seen, what it always read, but it seemed like he started to hit, and he just never really improved. He just kind of stayed who he is, which is just just not quite good enough. That's yeah, what I've seen. Since he got to double A, the power just hasn't played. Yeah. yeah. And that's the that's ultimately the problem. You're going to play that position. He's a big guy. Remember when they drafted him? Like, hey, we think we got a chance for a guy who can hit hit for some power. And, I mean, it's two years in double A now where he's just hit for no power, unfortunately. So I, hate, I don't like writing guys off permanently, but it's not looking good. Uh, Phil, you got anybody you want to ask about? Well, I mean, he's no longer a prospect, but uh, I do have a Nixon Zell question. Okay. Uh, is Do you think he's a long-term center fielder? I would bet in the abstract, like if they didn't have players at other positions, I still think his best position is third base. I think he worked himself from when he was a sophomore in college, the knock was we have no idea where this guy's going to play. He's not a positionless necessarily, but we just don't know where we're going to end up putting him. And the Reds very much believed when they got him, you know, this guy's too good of an athlete. He'll figure it out. And uh, frankly, even his last year at Tennessee turned himself into at least an average defender. And he got into the red system and he, he was comfortably a 55 and above average defender at third. I think ultimately that's the best outcome for him, but he's adequate in center. Maybe, maybe he's a tick below average. You'll probably want someone better out there. He's not killing. Them. I don't think he's killing. You guys watch him every no, day. I he, don't. He's definitely better than Scott Shevler. Uh, oh, yeah, God. Scott Shevler in center was was just a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's actually he's actually really impressed me with some of some of what he's done in his short time in center. So mm-hmm. he's a better runner than anyone realized. At dra- well, the, I think I you know I say anyone. That's probably an overgeneralization. I did not know of him from any source as somebody who's just like maybe a seventy runner, but he will show you seventy run times now, and I think his speed, the outfield, kind of bears that out. So there's some there's enough there for him to be able to play it. But I think if you move him back to third base, and I understand I have other players, but if you move him back to third base, you get actual defensive value out of him. Yeah. Uh, Burmy, What's funny, Burmy, I know that you uh, had a player you wanted to ask about. Excuse me. <laughs> you. <laughs> well, Burmy was going to ask about Aristides about- Aquino. Oh, of course, of course. Sorry, I was like, I was like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. So, I know he he had his cup of coffee last year. His but, one at uh, <laughs> What was it like? Three innings in right field. Hey, you know what? That's better than Moonlight Graham ever got, even though he's misportrayed, as we all know. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, what um, I know that obviously, like in the minor leagues, the strike zones are bigger, the baseballs are different. How much validity? And I'm not saying a hitting streak is worth anything. But you know, how much validity do you give to, I don't know if it's still going on, but the last I saw it was a 22-game hitting streak. Um, you know, for a guy like, you know, Aquino, who really is just, a, in my opinion, was just a run-of-the-mill prospect, and he's putting together this amazing hitting streak down there, and it's like, 
you know, we saw Van Meter come up with all the power. He hasn't really shown that in Cincinnati, obviously. you got to get acclimated. Does somebody like Aquino, in your opinion, deserve a call-up? I would love to see them give him a chance at some point. My expectations are very low. The guy sure. didn't hit it all for two years in double-A and didn't get on base in particular. And mm-hmm. his Babbitt is through the roof right now in triple-A. And like you mentioned, the triple-A baseball is totally different. But... Mm-hmm. If he keeps doing this for another month or so and there's an opening somewhere in the outfield, yeah, call him. He's already big, right? He's on the 40, man. Was he in the big leagues last year? Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah. I just making sure. So, like, there's really very little cost to calling him up at this point. Call him up and see sure. if anything's different. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. only, he's only had three innings and one at bat. So it's like, you know, what, what kind of right. size is that? Right. So, <laughs> and. Maybe something is different. The problem with the new AAA ball is that if something's different, we're not going to know. Right? I look at all these numbers in AAA, I'm like, well, that's fake, that's fake, that's fake. They're not all fake, right? Right. It's the easy Mm -hmm. thing to say, these guys who are all like, I mean, heck, I love Luis Urias, the Padres prospect. But he's going to hit like 60 homers in El Paso this year. That's stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's killing the ball down there. It's ridiculous. And he's a good prospect. He's not that guy. But how do you separate the player from the juiced ball in AAA? Now, we're having a hard enough time with this in the majors. Now I'm seeing all these stat lines in AAA. Like, these I don't think are real, but some of them, you know, some player's going to go make a swing change or some other mechanical change. We're just not, we're going to miss it in AAA because we're, we're I think, all going to get quickly to the point where we're dismissing these huge power numbers for hitters there. Pardon me, Keith. Holy shit, Puig. Did anybody else just see that? No, oh, no. What, what happened? I know something Puig happened. Just hit, Puig with Puig a triple and then the Glacier is home. Oh, see, I'm, I'm streaming in my room, so I'm a little behind, but Puig just hit an absolute missile to the wall, and, like, Winker had no intention of stopping, which got to second base. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, Jose Iglesias might have been the move of the offseason. Um, Keith, do you he think, is, think Iglesias is gold? Is it fool's gold for Iglesias offensively? Offensively, he's never done anything offensively other than he can exactly. put the ball in play. That's the one thing. Like yeah, he, I think he had that one year in Detroit where he hit three hundred. Now that's about yes. it. Because he never strikes that's out. All I care about. That's the one thing. That's yeah. hard like, care for. I, I firmly believe if you have a hitter who's like as long as he doesn't have zero power, just some strength, who never strikes out, like those guys. Every if, if you give that guy five years, he's going to hit three hundred in one of them. Like Jeff McNeil from the Mets, right. there's not really any tools there. He doesn't strike out. So right, right. do I think he'll hit three? What is he's at like 330 now? Is he going to hit 330 every year? No. Could he hit 300 for a full season? Yes, absolutely. Because yeah. if you if you don't strike out and you have just enough strength to do something with the ball, that that is in and of itself a skill. So, um, you yeah, know, that's, that's pushing for the guy He never strikes out. The thing with Iglesias, just to, to finish answering the question, it's like it's, he's a 70 or 80 defender. If he does that, he puts the ball in play a bunch, you you win. Absolutely. That's a that's a useful he'll have, he'll have a job for twenty to 50, or 12 to 15 years. Absolutely. He's mm-hmm. one of the best defensive shorts. He's one of the best defensive prospects back when he was prospect. I have ever what? seen at any position. Wasn't he the shortstop when, Igle- when uh, Suarez was still in Detroit? Yep. And uh, yes. he was the one that got injured? Yeah. Yep, had some hard, some, yeah, he sees an ending injury, right? Yeah. 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 Wasn't, wasn't yep, he and came then? over right about the same time, and they couldn't have been more different. Hechevarria was all flash. He was a good defender, but it was very like loud, flashy, 
diving, throwing from weird angles. And Iglesias was the quietest elite defender you could possibly imagine. Just things just magically happened when he was in the field. And then you look and you're like, I don't know what happened. But suddenly there are three out. Also, uh, congratulations to Jose Iglesias for the birth of his child. Uh, Pauly, <laughs> yes. do you have a prospect or player you want to ask about? Here's the thing. Will Nick Howard ever get it together? I oh. think he might be hurt. Uh, isn't but, he hurt again? Uh, he's only pitched in three games. I just looked up. But yeah, and, so. and I, unless I'm mistaken, I feel like I looked. I'm going to look as, as we talk. Like, Didn't he walk a bunch of guys again? Yeah, he had like an ERA over 10, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, he's walked almost this a man. Year yeah. So the Nick he's, Howard thing, like, obviously he got hurt. He also kind of had the yips. <laughs> I mean, we can argue whether he was just really wild or he had the yips. But something, you know, he was all, he was a mess. He's He is probably a mess. And I, he usually don't come back from that. I'm, I'm not sure I know of many examples of guys who've been that wild and come back from it. Uh, that's, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. Nick Howard and Nick Trevia, so hasn't pitched in almost three years, and uh, they're actually sending him to Billings. Oh God, yeah, sending him to Billings for Ugh. for uh, oh. almost like a rehab assignment. What was he tired of selling insurance? <laughs> Jesus, that's ugly. Yeah, yeah. That's well, his, his was his his was a shoulder injury, right? Or I eventually so. was a shoulder injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd rather fiftieth round draft pick go do that. He likes to fish. What can you say? <laughs> uh, so let's uh, let's get to our last topic, uh, so that uh, we don't take all of Keith's night. <laughs> There's been some debate on whether the Reds should buy or sell, uh, being where they're at the standings, uh, the number of teams they'd have to jump. Uh, but today, uh, John Morosi uh, came out and said that. Uh, there's a chance that the Reds could actually be interested in buying. But, uh, Keith, what do you think, Reds, buy or sell? I would say sell, and I, you just nailed to the reason why. It's not so much that this team is bad, but they have a lot of teams to jump, right? I think they're still in fourth. Yep. Um, they'd have to. I think they'd be in fourth in any of the three divisions, actually. So there's what? To get to a playoff spot... They'd have to jump four teams. They'd have to outplay four teams minimum. And it could be, it could be, maybe it's five teams. I don't know offhand. But, but they'd have to outplay a lot of teams for the rest of the season with a roster that right now is fine but flawed. Like there's a reason they're a little bit under 500. That's about what this team probably is. That's, I think, what people expected coming into the year. Um, so what are you going to acquire and at what cost? And is that really going to put you into the playoffs this year? The only reason I would say they should buy is if they think they're getting a piece that would help them or p- multiple pieces that would help them into next year. Like we'll be a little better this year, but we think it makes the club next year better because if they think there's an opportunity to buy someone who they value, who they wouldn't be able to get through free agency or, or of a caliber, they wouldn't get through free agency. Sure. Be opportunistic, but otherwise I would be much more inclined to see them selling, especially anybody they think yeah, they're going to lose after this season or after next season. If you can cash those guys in now for prospects, do so because they could. I think they could especially use some pitching depth in the system, especially with Green Hurt and Santian at least temporarily taking a step back. back. Yeah, I. This coincided with uh, with the Yankees sitting down Clint Frazier, and that's that's where I was thinking maybe it's not necessarily buying for this year, but possibly buying for years to come. Mm-hmm. What do you think? And not not just the Reds, but what kind of package would the Yankees need to have for them to move Clint Frazier? 
I think they're, they would move Frazier for, for short-term help. If you could give them something that they need to help them contend, well, they're contending, to help them compete slash be better set up for the playoffs this year, that's probably starting pitching depth. Uh, just because everybody needs that. Mm-hmm. And they're, I mean, almost all their starters could, they, these guys could blow at any time, essentially. I mean, their starting pitching depth has already been tested. So if you could give them somebody who would help them Tanner help Roar. their rotation this year, yeah. Yes. Could a Tanner Rourke tight? I don't know if Tanner Rourke gets you Clint Frazier. I have no idea on that. Right. Like, that's, well, that's a yeah, little bit. I mean, but I mean, that kind of guy, hey, he's super, you know, not high upside, he's super reliable. He's pitched and he's mm-hmm. work, he has a workhorse. He's always kind of pitched above his stuff. Uh, plus, he'll go to the Yankees and he'll rattle off like 12 starts with a 290 RA because that's just what happens. Just, yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. And he'll hit 12 home runs, too. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. But I think that's the kind of thing. Like, Clint Frazier is not getting dealt for prospects. It's unlikely. It's not impossible because Cashman will take a prospect if he likes one. But I have a feeling they're looking at him as. Uh, the longer they keep him, the less value he, ha- he has. People are forgetting that Frazier was a top 10 draft pick. He was a pretty good prospect at one point. He's flawed. Um, I know I use that word a lot, but like, I think in his case in particular, what he can do has never really outweighed the deficiencies. Mm-hmm. So his value is a little bit, is a little bit uh, diminished. Um, I think that you could get him in exchange for, uh, for even a back-end starter who gives them some reliability. That's interesting. Uh, I just, I just wonder if that would be this, something that the Reds would consider. Just because this offseason, I think they made some shrewd moves, and I just wonder if they're thinking that way into the season. They're not being uh, like they just swept the Astros, and I hope that doesn't blind them to thinking <laughs> that they're contenders now. Or you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. <clears throat> yes. We're yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Now. It fools people. I mean, you just beat maybe the best team in baseball. Mm-hmm. You just swept them. Yeah. Your record suddenly, you know, there's a difference between 31 and 38 versus 34 and 38. The, one, the first one looks pretty bad. The second one, hey, we can see 500 now. Mm-hmm. Yes. That sort of thing can skew your, skew your thinking, can skew ownership's thinking. And suddenly your decisions aren't so great. You make somebody's coming down from the top saying, no, 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 we're not selling. I don't know how much of the offseason was driven by ownership saying, we, you know, we need to be better. We need to put a better product on the field. Maybe it was. Um, you don't want to do that and then end up strip-mining your farm system in pursuit of short-term gains. Right. Yeah, and they, they did acquire a lot of guys on the last year of their deals. Right. And, uh, Wood, who hasn't pitched yet. Uh, right. Tanner Rourke. I mean, right now, the Derek Dietrich and Jose Iglesias signings are still Look their great. best moves. Yes. <laughs> and I still – I just to this day, I cannot believe Jose Iglesias had to settle for a minor league deal. It's amazing. That was one, I mean, I know there's a lot of hand-wringing about, some justified, mm-hmm. over how little the middle-class free agents were getting. The idea that nobody had use for Jose Iglesias, one of the best defensive shortstops in the game over the last 10 years, mm-hmm. that befuddles me. I don't understand. Right. Like, yeah, that's, I still, it still does. And you know what? Now if you can flip either of those guys for something, you mm-hmm. got them for nothing coming in. If you can flip Derek Dietrich for a prospect, do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Especially, I mean, Scooter Jeanette's on his way back, so... Right? Right. Yeah, and you're going to start to have a playing time crunch. Mm-hmm. Wait, Coop. Coop. Yeah. Should we fill Keith in on the nickname for Dietrich? Oh, Titties? <laughs> yeah, we call him Titties because he's double D. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, yes. don't worry. I'm glad you explained that. It would have taken me all night to put that one together. 
<laughs> We've tried to get it to catch You're... on, but uh, it's so far. Yeah, it's good, just good us. luck. Yeah, I don't think the Brandons right. are dropping that one on the broadcast. Yeah, I'm, tell, I'm, try, I'm still trying, trying to, to get. get uh... We're trying to get Walshie to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get Big Stick Nick to uh, to uh, take off. Still, so. that's pretty good. That's better. And that's a little, yeah. you know, little, the double less, entendre yeah. is a little. Yeah, you know. I mean, you do it in all caps, and it just looks beautiful on Twitter. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> Nobody has to ask which so. stick, so. Hey-o. No, exactly. Hey-o. Hey, Keith, have you, uh, have you taken your victory lap on Fernando Tatis yet? Uh, no, um, I'm just letting others do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were, the, you were the first on him, if I remember correctly. Yes, I was the only one to rank him that first year, and yeah. I was the only one to have him at number one this offseason. So far, it looks okay. He's pretty talented. Hell yeah. Oh, he's been great. He's yeah. in like 330 right now. I mean, he's been yep. fantastic. And he can really play short. That was the other mm-hmm. thing that yeah. people, um, I think a lot of people kind of slept on, maybe even in the industry, was just, no, this guy, I understand he's a little a little tall, a little big, but he can really play shortstop. And he wanted to play short. So he's, I am going to be a major league shortstop. And that, you know, when you have the athleticism and you're willing to work at it, I give you a chance. And he's turned himself. I think now he's turned himself into an above-average shortstop. Yeah, he uh, he carry he just carries himself differently than a normal baseball player does. Like yes. you just look at him, and the guy just oozes athleticism. Um, yep. The only reason why I say that is just because I'm a I'm I'm becoming kind of a a rebuild junkie ever since the Reds started theirs, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm AJ Preller just impresses me quite a bit. So I've just I've sort of been following the Padres and how, you mm-hmm. know, how their how their guys have been doing. And uh, when I ran across Tatis a couple years ago, um, you know, I started digging more in on him. Uh, I noticed that you were basically the first one in on him. I was wow. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge huge believer. And every time I see him, yeah. he does something to impress me. And the Padres yeah. have a lot of power. You're you're a damn traitor, Ryan. That's the hey, I'm also I'm also watching the Marlins right now too. I'm I'm I mean I'm impressed by their draft, so I'm kind of I'm that's interesting yeah. me. So, but then Derek, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's true. No, the, Pod, the Padres has a lot of have a lot of young power. That's what's really impressed me. Uh, yeah, to the point to where they could move somebody like a Hunter Renfro and probably get a top quality piece back for him. Well, and they have Fran Reyes and French Cordero right behind. Him. I mean. Right. They could they could move they could move Renfro, and once everyone's healthy, really not feel it that much. I mean, it's it's impressive their system, and they they went out and just spent a bunch of money on the international market. So the uh, they've also got oh, they've, I've, all I'll say yeah. is they've also just gotten a lot of power arms who turned out to be pretty good pitchers. Like when they yeah. go chase velocity, a lot of those guys have turned out to be more than just hard throwers. And yeah. and the Padres were smart when they moved Matt Latos. Yeah. Oh God! Oh, oh yeah! Uh, before you lost Keith, I have a picture of Matt Latos. If you want to see, I can DM it to you. Uh, you might not. It's very funny. See it. It's <laughs> he's not. He's it's, not. It's naked. not that bad. It's not but, naked. Yeah. But uh, I'll leave that up to you. Uh, <laughs> Keith, I do have. I do have a question for you, since you are the only prospect guru I may ever talk to in my entire life. Um, I had a buddy from high school that was a fourth round pick by the Rockies. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to know if you agree at all. He never made. A, I think he pitched like seven games in Double A before his elbow entirely blew out. And I would be remiss if I didn't ask if you remember his name, Seth Willoughby. 
It's yes. Okay. It's, it's okay if you don't. <laughs> it's nice. totally okay if you don't. No, no, it's yeah. fine if you don't. No, but I, I do. But I think just from the stat sheets, like, I don't think I ever saw him. Okay. I was just I, curious. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely remember the name. Well, because it's what a lot of them are. Is they're just, especially if they don't make it or they don't get to yeah. Fall League or the Futures game or, mm-hmm. or if they don't play in Wilmington where I live. Like, then they just become names and names on the spreadsheet. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yes. I, yeah. I absolutely I can't remember. remember. I can't remember because it was, he was with the Rockies. He was a fourth round pick. God, I can't remember. Like 2012, maybe he left after his last year at Xavier down in Cincinnati. And, uh, he, you know, like I said, and then he made it to double A for a little bit. And then he was throwing a bullpen and his elbow just gave out again. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, I'm done. But I'm I was done. curious. Yeah. I, yeah, he was like, I'm done. I got a $333,000 signing bonus. Not a big deal. So he, he was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go throw this money around and, uh, you know, get into financial planning. But yeah, I was just curious. Yep. That's all I got for you, but I do remember the name. That's fine. Keith, I did want to say that this is the podcast if you wanted to tell Trevor Bauer how you really felt. Ah. Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Trevor Bauer's response, he un- he had me blocked. People were like, you subtweeted him. He had me blocked. There's no point tagging him because right. he wouldn't see it. He unblocked just to tell people I'm short. Like, um, okay. I don't think I could say anything else. <laughs> like, I'm okay. I'm really okay. Keith, I do want to follow that up, but I'm sorry, guys. I'm not trying to dominate. Keith, I, I just wanted to say that uh, you blocked me three years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, you wrote a very articulate piece about why Adam Duvall was a bad all star. Uh-huh. And. I may have had a few soda pops in me at the time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Are you still blocked? Yes. And oh my I gave, God. I, no, 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 you have I the would, right to ask me to unblock. <laughs> no, no. I would. I would love you to. I would love if you unblocked me. But yeah. I can. I was like, if you're going to say Duval is, I want to. I want a, a piece on Brian Lahair. Oh <laughs> and, then I, and then I gave I gave an absolute rundown on why Adam Duvall deserved to be an all star. It was like mm-hmm. a five or six tweet thread, and <laughs> I, 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 I don't remember exactly what I said, but I'm sure I was disrespectful. And you just threw the block down. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, I'm quick. I am quick with the block button. And I that's okay no because you, I, was, I was passionate and warranted. It was warranted. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> If you would, if you would unblock me, I promise I won't do that again. <laughs> okay, I will unblock you. I, I believe yes. in second chances, except maybe, maybe not for Trevor Bauer. Yeah, oh God! Well, yeah. I mean, my no, block no. was unwarranted. No, but you, but you came through on that too. So <laughs> I apologize for your block. Your block was unwarranted. Yes, you did. No, you definitely did. I'm still sorry I did it. Here's the thing: you blocking <laughs> Phil got. You to be a guest on the Hunt for Red Sox. It's why I'm here. It's absolutely why I'm here. One hundred percent. So everyone should block Phil. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But now that I've done the podcast, I can just block everybody. Yes. See, there you go. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. Well, Bill James blocked me for for telling him to stop yelling at a cloud. So send you my my Reds account. Okay, perfect. (laughs) I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah, Bill Bill blocks Bill Bill Bill, Bill's account is interesting. Yes, it's interesting. Yes, it is. Yeah, (laughs) we'll just stop there. I get blocked by people, but it's usually because I'm making a joke that they don't get. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> we never forget your joke, Scoop. And, uh, <laughs> and obviously because you're horrible. That's, yes. that's <laughs> but no, back to Trevor Bauer, that piece of shit. Sorry, Keith. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that guy basically stalked, what else, a high school girl? And then he's going to try to play some kind of moral authority over anyone? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. I, know you, I know you can't say what you really want to say. Because, you know. No, I shouldn't. Like <laughs> yeah. I said, but like I said, he just kind of told on himself, right? He, oh, yeah. he made a, per, a personal attack about my appearance. By the way, guys, not getting any taller. Sorry. Are you taller um, than Ken Rosenthal? Yes. Well, oh, then there you okay. Yep. Yes, and taller than Tim Kirkjian, but he can post me up in basketball. Ooh. Oh, Ooh. Down. Tim! Tim is. Tim, do not challenge Tim on the on the court. I'm just warning you now. Really? I know he's like late fifties, but nope. <laughs> I he's, he is a he is a legend at ESPN for good reason. Wow, Keith, are you a fan? Are you a fan of any teams? That, like obviously baseball, you work in professionally, but like any other sports, you're like a big fan of a, of a certain team. Not really. I grew up. A big Islanders fan because I was on Long Island and oh, good at the time. I'm a big, I'm a big hockey guy, so I can respect that. And I like, I would have stayed with it, but I moved out of Long Island. They became a joke anyway. And then, like, two things happened because hockey was absolutely my second favorite sport growing up, and I still like. I, I haven't been in years, but I would love to go back and watch a hockey game in person. It's super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But between Hockey's the neutral zone, tra- when they switched to the, new- the neutral zone trap, became kind of in vogue in the '90s, and then they lost the whole season to the strike. Yeah. I was like, eh. yeah, and I just kind of never got back into it, which is a shame. I mean, it's really cool that the Blues won the cup this year. I was fully aware of what that meant, uh, and it sort of reminded me like I lost something. I missed yeah. being a hockey fan, probably more than I missed well, other sports that like I followed as a kid. And four straight, you know. Four straight titles. Four cups. Deprived. Four I, will, cups in a row. I will tell you my story. I apologize if anyone's heard me tell this on some other thing. Um, but I still remember them because that was like Mike Bossy, Dennis Potvan, Brian Trottier, John Tanelli, mm-hmm. Mike Smith oh. was the goalie, Butch yeah. Goring. And they won four straight cups. And the fifth cup, they lost. I'll never forget the headline on the back of Newsday was deprived of five because they <laughs> lost to some team in Edmonton. I was like, who the fuck is Wayne Gretzky? Oops. You just made my month. That was the best. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that uh, the Islanders 30 for 30 was one of my favorite ones mm-hmm. because that guy, I can't even remember, his, that guy just sold everybody that he was some millionaire. Oh, uh, Spirit, Spirit Spano? Something right. like yeah, that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Conman. Oh, my God, yes. Yep. Yep, that, I remember. He, he fooled yeah. the league. The league for a while thought he had the money. Right. That, that's he had no money. That's why it was one of my favorite ones to watch because I was like, how did this guy it's get, amazing. get it not... over on everyone? Yeah, it was like the Theranos, if you guys haven't, the Bad Blood yeah. is the book. Yeah, the Theranos. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Yeah. yeah, it's the book. I haven't watched the HBO documentary, which I hear is also good. The book is amazing. And you just, I listened to the audiobook driving around scouting guys this spring for the draft. And I was like, how did nobody realize <laughs> the book didn't work? Oh, my God. <laughs> like all yeah, of these the, uh... supposedly intelligent people fooled because she had nice eyes. I'm a huge Blue Jackets fan, Keith. I might be the only one you're ever on a podcast with. <laughs> I figured I would get my... 
I would yeah. get my uh, my two cents in because I yeah I go to like thirty a year, so I'm a big oh, awesome. guy. And I'm, I'm I'm thrilled you said hockey. That just made my day. Good. All right, now that uh, now that Burmy has uh, stopped servicing you, Keith. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, He's fangirling. Oh, please. I just, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for being on. Uh, I think we're going to about wrap it up. Uh, do you have any final thoughts you want to give yep. uh, Reds fans around the uh, the podcast verse? No, I'll just say, like, I think there's good things happening. I think the farm system is still in pretty good shape. I thought the draft was good. I understand it's t- it's a really tough division. You're never going to have the payroll of some of your rivals, but there's good reason to be optimistic. Uh, here's the thing, Paul. Give us your final thoughts. Here's the thing, Reds fans. Sell high, buy low. The Reds will be fine. All right, Kev. Give us your final thoughts. Uh, 28th episode. So, shout out to uh, Randy Myers, Nasty Boy, and um, Austin Kearns. I'm still mad at Ray King oh, for Ray busting King's, up his shoulder. Ray King sat <laughs> on him. At, oh yes, God. He he broke Austin Kearns. I know. But uh, yeah, I also wanted to say thanks to Keith for coming on. It it was really great to talk baseball with you. Phil, give us your final thoughts. Phil, maybe an old man walked by to beat him up. Sorry, I I (laughs) had my my phone, Uh, and so I was talking for like ten minutes. Sorry about that. Uh, This has absolutely been the uh, the best episode of the podcast. Uh, This has been fantastic, and Keith, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, So uh, shout out to Keith. Shout and uh, shout out to Buster just because uh, Keith's better on our show than he is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Phil, you'll have to tell Keith about all the old men that have beaten you up over the years at some point. <laughs> uh, Ryan, give us your final thoughts. Yes, yeah, so, uh, again, thanks, Keith, for uh, coming on here. Um, Reds are going to go nine out of their next 13 and completely turn the season around. I'm calling it right now. Uh, as they are winning against the uh, Brewers. Uh, also, uh, shout out to the greatest athlete that I've ever seen in person, my cousin Nolan Crabtree. Thank you guys for letting me uh, come on here. All right. Burmy, final thoughts. Joey Votto, the Hall of Fame, baby. We love Joey Votto on this podcast, by the way. As uh, you should. <laughs> yes, we love him. Oh, Keith, as my final thought, I wanted to ask you something that I had never heard before came out today that the Reds were came in second to the Angels for Albert Pujols. I had never heard that before. I have not heard that either. I, I, I don't want to say it's wrong. I, no, no, this I was, don't, just don't know. Yeah, that allures me, though. This was Walt Jockety that said that in an article today. I think it was Bob, Bob Nightingale or Bobby Nightingale. One of the Nightingales. It was Bob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was Bob, and then Bobby retweeted it. Oh, okay. Mm. It was a Nightingale. But uh, it just floored me because we could have been deprived of Joey Votto in Cincinnati. And that was, right. that's not good. You could be you could be paying through the nose for Albert Pool's decline years. I mean, oh. Albert Pool's is literally like 47 right now. So. He's like 69. <laughs> Too. Oh, but uh, nice. So yeah, that's my, that was my final thought. Was just asking about that. So uh, Keith, again, thank you for being on. Uh, we'll probably post this. We beating me. Uh, I'll probably edit <laughs> this tomorrow night, and it'll be uh, available. Feel free to retweet uh, when I give you a shout out. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but again, no, seriously, thank you very much for being on. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, yes, absolutely. This so, was fun. 
Thank you. So for Keith Law and for Barmy and Kev and Phil and Polly and Ryan, this is Coop saying. Hi. Yeah, <laughs> well, this is Coop saying we'll talk to you next time. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, where the river winds across the Mason and the Dixon line.